you know, it. I see it's still got the same problems for me, which is mm-hmm. it teeters on being bad and mm-hmm. being pretty good. <laughs> and that's too frustrating for me. <laughs> okay. You know, um, it's like pick a lane, girl. <laughs> pick a lane. And yeah. it teeters from being good to I don't care. Yes. So... Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say. y'all welcome back to another episode of another relaunch i am lz hello everybody i am keenan how are you doing today keenan i'm all right i feel good i um i went to the gym this morning that is no shock but i've been doing like a lot more back workouts lately i'm not i've never really been good at them so i'm trying to get into them a little bit more and i've been like "Mm," so i'm like a little stiff i can't move certain ways but we're pushing through and like hopefully by like what will we in june mm-hmm. by mid-july we'll, we'll, we should be where we want to be same I'm, I'm trying to get back on that same kind of track and give myself to that mid-july mm-hmm. you know okay, uh, yeah i feel that it's doable <laughs> it's very doable yeah um on another note i'm going to a um like a dinner like murder mystery dinner <laughs> with some friends. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I've never been to one. <laughs> they like so. So my thing is they're very fun, but everybody has to actually be into it. Okay. Like if they if like if you if you get the sheet and it says your character has the accent, you have to commit to your accent. Like okay. have fun, let yourself really get into it and play that role. If you just kind of standing on the side reading what's on the paper, you're gonna be annoyed. So my friends who I'm doing this with, they are definitely going to be, like, really into it. So I've decided to definitely commit. I'm supposed to be, like, a housewife. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this for you. Um, I'm supposed to be, like, a housewife. But, like, she's not supposed to be, like, a mean girl. Like, she's shady, but, like, not mean. Um, okay. Or, like... Um, but she is supposed to be like her husband is always away and making a bunch of money. She stays home and mm-hmm. is all about like uh, creating a nice home and very clean. Ooh, like I was supposed okay. to. Okay. So clean. so what you should do what you should do when um right before you get ready you should go online, go look up clips of Brie Vandekamp from Desperate Housewives. Got it. Brie okay. Vandekamp like the, she I, is the epitome. The, you. I, I, I know you've never seen Dust Rouse, but I already was fully prepared for that. Um, but she, like, what you're talking about, she is exactly who you want to be. Very conservative. She's already got her pearls on. She loves God. I think Boom. I need a pearl set. That's your muse. That is your muse. Okay. I'm into it. All, All right. right. Well, let's get started with these comics. And uh, mm-hmm. to kick us off, we are going to... Talk about a more recent comic that is, I think it's on its third issue now. And that is Invasion from Planet Wrestletopia. <laughs> Starting with issue number one, written by uh, Ed Connell. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, apologies if I mispronounced that. And uh, Matt Etten, 
with art by Dan Skade and the backup issue by Trevor Richardson. Okay. Um, I did read this, and I actually kind of liked it. So I don't know if you've seen me tweeting, but I have discovered that all the attractive men live on wrestling Twitter. Okay. You know, I saw you say that, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Do I need to dip over there? You know, so I, you know, I follow a couple of people who are really into wrestling, and you know, I've been seeing like them interacting with other folks on the wrestling side, and I'm just like, oh, okay, like this is kind of cool. <laughs> and so, you know, I watched wrestling when I was younger, but I haven't really been into it so much. But there is a reality series called Total Divas that has like some of the WWE divas like following their life and them on. So I was like, I know a little bit about that so I can have a little bit of conversation, you know, to be like, oh, I know who the Bellas are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> trying to expand my knowledge, this wrestling comment came actually like at the perfect time. So the story is pretty straightforward. The guy, the main character is this guy named Roy Landel. Um, he's like the champion wrestler, but basically the new up and coming person is coming. And so they kind of want him to start bowing out for this new guy. The night of the match, he basically quits. He's like, I am the best. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not like losing my rep for anybody. And he leaves. But during his speech, he announces that he is the champion of like all fighters in the world. And yeah. so it goes out to everybody because it's broadcast and someone from space intercepts it and they go to their boss and they're saying hey here's this guy who just said he is the champion of the world or he's and this other guy's like no i'm the champion of the entire galaxy so the story kind of ends there but you kind of assume he's going to be coming down to earth to fight this guy have you ever seen the episode of young justice where absolutely you know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. I love that show, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's <laughs> like, no, this is my master. He needs to fight the strongest being, and he fights yeah. Superboy and all that stuff. Yeah, when that's what. Came, the, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what this issue is getting. Oh. Um, just wrestling. And so, um, the story, I mean, the story is pretty interesting. It's really fun. The art is really good. It actually reminds me a lot of Ryan Otley's art. He's the guy who uh, worked on Invincible. Yeah, I agree with that. That art and, like, the coloring of it, too, very gives, like, it gives Invincible. Yeah, like, really enjoyable. Um, motion was great. The, the characters seemed interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to catch up and read the rest of the issues, for sure. Yeah. Wrestling fans also should do that. <laughs> wrestling fans like, definitely check this wrestling out. fan you should tweet me specifically and let me know what you thought about the issue <laughs> I know that's right wrestling fans <laughs> specifically get at Keenan <laughs> alright up next is uh, DC Pride number one and this had a various writers and artists we got stuff from uh, Vita Ayala, Sina Grace, Sam Jones Danny Lore, Steve Orlando uh, Mariko Tamika, uh, James Tinian, Tinian? I've been saying Tinian. Tinian, apologies. Um, we also got some art from Chris Anka, uh, Steve Byrne, uh, Mildred Louise, Travis Moore, uh, a bunch of different artists in here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what did you think of DC Pride number one? Um, I actually really like this. So I'm not going to lie to you. I thought this was going to be kind of bad. I thought there would be a lot of heavy-handed pandering in it. And the, there was a little bit 
towards in one particular story. But most of it was actually really good. I thought the Batwoman story was great. I love the story with Estrano and uh, Constantine talking about Midnighter. I enjoyed the Harley and uh, Poison Ivy story. I was like, this is cool. It also made me realize, I was like, oh, DC has a nice little roster of games. Yeah. You know, I, like you, was expecting this to be bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was expecting this is just to be a whole bunch of like very um, low hanging fruit jokes mm-hmm. and yeah. um, a lot of pandering and stuff. But these are actually very well written stories and mm-hmm. some very interesting stuff that I didn't really know about a lot of the characters because some of these characters I just weren't really that into before. So I don't really know their backgrounds. Like uh, Batwoman, I only know stuff about her just through. I don't know, some animation, some movies that I've seen and stuff. So I didn't really know a, a lot about the this Alice character and all that stuff, but and like what was really going on or Mad Hatter, I assume yeah, is a sister. It, it, yeah. it, it was a lot of stuff that went on in her first run with like she had a sister who died, but the sister was like coming back and she was like this kind of evil person. Um, but it was really good. The art that the art in that series used to be amazing. J.H. Williams, he used to do these phenomenal spreads that just showed her in action, and it was beautiful stuff. Betty Kane was a part of that as well. She came in as Flame Bird. She got this ugly costume. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna say it was ugly. It was different. I'm actually a fan of Betty's original, like yellow and red tacky mess. So this new one was like black and orange. It did give her this nice little headpiece though. Oh, I yeah. It. I know I love a headpiece. Um, so, but yeah, it was a good book. I, I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who's trying to get into bad one. Okay, definitely. Yeah, because I thought this, her DC Pride story was very interesting. Um, and yeah, they were all pretty good. I wish they would have tried a little bit harder on um, Extraño's costume. It was. He looks like Doctor Strange, right? Just Doctor Strange. Yeah. And kind of, so I don't know if you read the. Um, the Apollo and Midnight and miniseries that Steve Orlando wrote. Yes, I did. Yes. But so you know that's when he brought him back, mm-hmm. and it was like a really big deal because no one had used the character in so long. So I I love that Steve every time he comes back to DC he finds a way to put him in there <laughs> and like really keep that consistency with the character growing. Yeah. Uh, I do like you said, wish they would give him a little bit of a different look and embrace. I get they were trying to move away from kind of the stereotypes of what he had in the past and how his design looked then but i think some of those aspects could be brought back into a more positive light bring back his long hair yeah. and i don't even like long hair but bring it back <laughs> hey i never thought that <laughs> i would just wanted them to just give them a little something more than you know white sides and a red cape <laughs> it's, it's giving dr strange it's, it's just not there i also really enjoyed the uh alan scott and obsidian story yes but you know I'm an Obsidian guy, so I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I came for. Uh, the, the, and obviously Jackson had the biggest story at the end, which I think is really great for his character and just kind of what DC is trying to do for him. Again, we just got an announcement that he is now going to get his own miniseries written by Brandon Thomas, who wrote the Future State Aquaman series, so I'm really excited about that. And in this, they're calling him Aquaman. So it yeah. seems that they're really going to make that push for him, which is, like, fantastic, and I'm all here for. That is a story I say it felt a little bit heavy-handed. When the JLQ jumped out... <laughs> I was like, okay, this is... <laughs> I was like, I get it. And then, I will say I mean, say when also, they opened and they were at the Pride Parade, I was like, all right, I see what this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was cute. Um, 
I will say there was a glaring lack of thunder and Grace Joy. And yes. Stuff. Yes. And, but she has her other history issue coming out soon, so I won't delve on too much, but they did deserve to be here. Yeah. I did find it interesting in that um, the Green Lantern and Obsidian story, they kind of changed his origin story a little bit through the, mm-hmm. through the telling of that. I'm not sure if uh, many people know about uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern, but he wasn't always gay. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of made the Earth 2 version of Alan Scott gay, but they kind of made him younger. And in that version, yeah. he was like um, like the same age as like Hal Obsidian. and all the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> and like Obsidian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Obsidian didn't even exist. And they just kind of made him gay. And the way that they made him a Green Lantern was he was on like a date, I think, with a guy. Mm-hmm. And then they're whatever they were, like, it exploded and yeah. the boyfriend died and that's how he got his ring. Well, they, like, gave that story just to the older Alan Scott and mm-hmm. I think I kind of preferred it this way mm-hmm. a lot more oh, than, absolutely. than the other way. The other way felt kind of forced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I've act- you know, I was actually also shocked that they did not put a Wonder Woman story in here. That's true, yes. Um, because, you know, they did finally kind of let her be bisexual in who, who, who was writing that run? Rucka. When he took over Wonder Woman, he oh, yeah. had like he had that story of, that kind of confirmed she had relationships with women on Paradise Island. So you know, I've always I heard that that run was really good. I have some of it. I've never been I've never started it. I read a couple issues. It, it felt like a Wonder Woman book. You know, I see the shade there, so I get it. <laughs> I get it. I see what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's, you know what? It's always shocking that they seem to always want to take her out of any kind of pride or, like, mm-hmm. gay things where she's obviously had relations with women. Yeah. I don't know. They do it to Betsy, too. Mm. Something hmm. in order. <laughs> <laughs> What would you rate this uh, Pride issue? Um, I would give it a seven. I think, um, I think, like I said, a, a lot of the stories were really well done. The pinups throughout were also very nice. I remember when uh, they did the one for the Asian superhero celebration and they had the pinups in there. Those were also very good. The Catman one was fantastic. Shout out to uh, Nick Robles for that one. Yeah. That was uh, a, I like his art. Very good. So, yeah, uh, again, towards the end, it was a little, a little like, okay, this mm. is the, the, here's the, here's the <laughs> after school special but again you gotta have that in there so I appreciate it very much yeah yeah. Um, out of 10 for me I would have given this one a 7.5 or an 8 yeah I thought mm. it was actually really good I was yeah. again pleasantly surprised by mm. how how good it was how well it was written the art was really great I really liked the um, I really enjoyed the page of Midnighter and Apollo. Mm-hmm. And Apollo kind of floating there. Loved it by uh, David Tulaski. I thought that was really dope. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, great issue. Definitely check this one out, y'all. Okay, up next is Heroes Reborn number six by mm-hmm. Jason Aaron mm-hmm. and Erica D'Urso. Take it away, Keenan. Tell us what so, happened. So, you know, Heroes Reborn is the event of the summer. 
And I'm, just letting, and I'm just letting everybody know that they need to get in. So this issue, again, the issues have been spotlighting different members of the Squadron Supreme. This one issue uh, spotlights Power Princess, Zarda, who is the Wonder Woman analog. Everyone, I posted a couple pages on Twitter and some people were like, oh, I just see Diana. And I'm like, yes, that is the point. Again, Squadron Supreme was created <laughs> as the Marvel Justice League. They are going to be similarly like that. Uh, but she's just a fun woman. She talks about how all of her sisters from her island, Utopia Isle, are gone, and she misses them. She misses getting drunk with them. She loves her wine. She talks about that quite frequently. She lives in the Statue okay. of Liberty, and she has this like magic mirror that she talks to, and she's just like, you need to find me some wine. <laughs> I'm trying to get drunk. And she talks about like different people who she fought. She's killed magic in this timeline because she was an evil demon limbo sorceress. She is very bloodthirsty. Oh, my, okay. Yeah, she, like, loves to fight. She loves to battle. She's like, if I'm not fighting somebody, there needs to be a drink in my hand. And so... That was a like, few issues, my kind of girl. <laughs> yeah, like, you really enjoy it. You really enjoy it. And so a few issues earlier, Thor kind of started waking up and realizing that the world he in isn't right, so he's in Asgard. She has this axe that she has pieces of the Bifrost in. And, like, when she slams that onto the ground, she transports to Asgard. It is, like, she looks good. The axe is hot, okay? Like, it's a hot weapon. And so she runs into Thor, and he's like, you know, something's wrong. Where's Asgard? She talks about how, like, she killed the people of Asgard, and all the gods ran away. And But it didn't matter because she was there to protect people, and they love her. And so they start fighting. She has this invisible blade called the No Blade that she stabs him with. Oh, he's, wow. like... He's using some of his god powers on her. It's a really dope battle. Uh, the art is, like, fantastic. It's very kinetic. I'll take an invisible blade over an invisible plane any day. It's like she's giving. And um, Thor finally, like, teleports away somewhere, and she's just like, okay, that was weird. So, but she it, she makes this comment, and she talks about how his blood smells like booze, and she wonders if she spills enough, will she get drunk? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I oh, hope wow. so. yeah. <laughs> she's like, I hope so. And so he uh, kind of gets away, and so she goes on this thing. She's like, No, I'm gonna find this guy. I'm gonna take him out. And that's in the end of her story. Then we kind of get the backup, which is Aaron telling the stories about the different heroes and Thor in this new world and how he's kind of just been lollygagging through life. He's actually been around Power Princess before during the war, but he was like so drunk and in his depression that he never realized it. But now that he's starting to come out of the funk, Echo, as the Phoenix, runs into him and she's like, you know, you woke up and you realized the world was wrong, join the club. And so that's where it ends. And so the next issue is actually the last issue of Heroes Reborn. It's only seven issues, but then okay. Heroes Turn starts. So I don't know if he is going to like end it all next issue or if we're just going to go to Heroes Return and then like they're going to do whatever with the Squadron Supreme. Well, damn. Is Heroes Return its own event? Is it another like seven issues? I don't know. Honestly, I, th- I I was assuming that it was like going to be a special issue that would jumpstart a new Avengers book, mm. but I don't know now. Yeah, because I haven't seen any announcements for anything about the Avengers post Heroes Reborn yet. Oh, so. And I guess like Heroes Reborn is coming to an end soon, so. Yeah, so it's like because <laughs> he's got again all of the heroes kind of finding together. We've got the Starbrand baby uh, who just got. Uh, found by the intergalactic Wakandan embassy. You have the Squadron Supreme members who are also starting to realize that, hey, there's a group that's trying to change things for us and they don't really want things to change. It's a lot. The Squadron Supreme is kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. 
Like, well, I mean, they are fun. I've see, I've had a lot of fun with them in uh, the new Avengers Avengers stuff back when that Secret Wars was happening. They were a lot of fun then. I think my thing has always been that I've only kind of known Hyperion, and I don't really care for Hyperion. Uh, but uh, really getting into the other ones, Blur, Doctor Spectrum, uh, Doctor Spectrum, Nighthawk, Zarda, and like seeing these stories play out. And how even the Hyperion, how Jason Aaron wrote him was a lot more interesting. It might just be Jason Aaron though. Mm. He's doing some good work on this. <laughs> I would give it um I don't know why I said ten earlier. Out of five. <laughs> okay. Um I will give this a four out of five. Wow. Okay. Yeah, really, really good. And I only kinda Here's Reborn it. seems to be really shaping up to be a dope event for you. It's the event of the summer. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Y'all at your galas, you need to come over here. I mean, I saw this one uh, tie-in for it that had Elektra leading some team. So I thought about maybe jumping in with that. So I didn't get into any of the tie-ins. I actually think I'm going to wait for those to get on Marvel Unlimited to go back and read those, just because there were so many. And I was like, I'm not about to buy all of these. Um, but I did, a lot of them looked really interesting. There was like one with Magneto and he had his own mutant force that had like a uh, frenzy on it. That looks super dope that, that when you're talking about with Electra, there were a few that I was like, this could be interesting. So I think people should get into it. All right, y'all. Well, check that out. If you, uh, it's all the Elseworlds uh, madness going on over there with Jason Aaron. Uh, next up is Excalibur 21 by Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe. And uh, we are continuing more Hellfire Gala shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this issue for me, I had already dropped Excalibur. So mm-hmm. um, I came back into it with this one because it's a part of the Hellfire Gala. So I wanted to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, I see it's still got the same problems for me, which is mm-hmm. it teeters on being bad and mm-hmm. being pretty good. <laughs> and that's too frustrating for me. <laughs> okay. You know, um, it's like, pick a lane, girl. <laughs> pick a lane. And yeah. anytime that the focus is on Betsy and whatever she's doing, mm-hmm. it's pretty good stuff coming out of it. I really like the stuff that was going on with Pete Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the stuff that was going on with Betsy's finally, like, speaking up for herself. Honestly, this feels That's like the awesome. first time, I would say, in a long time since she's been Captain Britain, where we actually see her claiming that this is hers in front of people, and there's no, uh, it's not coming from someone else, this isn't her in the other universe or anything like that. It's Betsy saying it her for herself. So that yeah. was some great stuff. Everything else, I, I can tell <laughs> Victor is, I don't even know who that even is. <laughs> um, Although maybe I don't know who Rick. This could very well be Richter. Maybe I, I don't really pay too much attention anyway. <laughs> so maybe this is the Richter. But whoever this character is, he's annoying. Okay, I agree with that. Um, this this book for me, it teeters from being good to I don't care. Yes. So, okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. I will say I actually enjoyed this issue a lot, especially compared to like uh, a few of the previous issues that where I was teetering and talking about how frustrating. I will always agree with you that Excalibur is a frustrating book. I have said that myself. Um, 
I think that this issue is again one that shows Teeny's improvement, but I also am a little biased right now just because I've recently reread all the previous issues of Excalibur. And I think that's kind of one of the issues that this book has is that to really understand what's going on in it, you have to go back and read everything first. And it's like, I shouldn't have to go back to issue four to really understand um, or even remember what is supposed to be happening in issue 21 now um, or trying to make sense of that. It should be able to stick out enough that I'll instantly recall it or you should make more callbacks to it in the issue itself so it doesn't just seem like it comes out of nowhere um i think this is the first time that the coven akaba has actually been interesting and they've actually succeeded in something and i think them taking away the political connection of krakoa in the uk is very cool um, especially given the fact that Betsy doesn't seem to care about Britain at all. And again, I realized this in my reread when I was going back, when other world monsters first started invading Britain, she was in London and then she left to go back to Krakoa while the monsters were literally still setting things on fire. <laughs> 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 and so it's, it's very interesting. And it was, it, it, it's so interesting to see how the coven has used that so easily and how easily she made it. And even so where they're sitting here telling her, you know, you don't have Britain's favor anymore. All she's really talking about is Otherworld and Avalon. She's like, no, I'm Captain Britain. Again, I fully agree with you that I love this. The first time she's spoken up for herself and she's actually said something that seems worthwhile and like true to her character hope we continue down that trend i yeah. also fully agree that the book suffers the most currently when it focuses on richter i think that richter is not an enjoyable character he comes off very unlikable and i think that when you've already been writing so many characters as kind of angry and floating around sadness having one more do it again in such a loud way at least before like betsy was sullen she was quiet but she was keeping herself like richter is just like actively being annoying and like <laughs> miserable and like bringing bad energy to the party. Like that's even asking at the beginning of the issue, are you going to be in an ugly mood all night? And truly <laughs> he is. Yeah. Um, I also think the interactions with Shatterstar were a little strange. I'm going to be real with you. I personally do not care about the Rick star relationship, whether they are together or not has no effect on me whatsoever. But I do think that the reaction Richter had to him it was a little over the top. And then the rest of the team kind of coming in, even Betsy, when she said to Richter, like, oh, or Shatterstar, like, oh, you should go get a drink somewhere else. It was just kind of like, why? You don't even know that man. Right. Like, why are you acting like that? Um, it it almost, that almost made me feel like that was on purpose to kind of restart their relationship because I don't even know when was the last time they were even on, like, panel or together. I think I think it was in Shatterstar's miniseries, I think. But I, if I recall correctly, even then they were kind of like together but not together. It might have been that New Mutants Dead Souls mini. But and again... Th- that was like a long re- time ago. The relationship for me has always been like on a kind of semi-casual basis. I look at Richter and Shatterstar as they are going to be together one day, for sure. But right now, they're together when it's convenient. Mm. Um, so th- it wasn't really that big of a deal to me. Um, but, it's, but again... Maybe this just isn't Richter. Or maybe I just don't know Richter as well as I thought I did. I did have a few Richter fans tweet me when I said that he was annoying about (laughs) this. That this feels like Richter to them. He's always been emotional or he's always been kind of sullen. Um, 
and they say it rings true. So I, that just made me, I was like, maybe I just don't like Richter. I will say the moment of him creating the island was very nice and a nice little moment of power. But again, I think it just ties into the story of him being a druid, which is weird. And I don't care about it. Yeah, I don't know about that one either. That, again, was another plot line where I'm like, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> and I think, And I think where Howard shines is obviously where she focuses on one or two characters in the story. Yeah. And right now, those one character has always been Betsy, and before the other one was Apocalypse. For a brief time, it was Rogue, and then that was really just more so she could talk about Betsy. And then the other, right now, it's Richter. And I think it's just Richter isn't enjoyable. So his parts are always going to feel bad. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah. At least going well, forward from here, there probably won't be too much of that because that this team... Rogue left to go be on the X-Men now. Um, so now there's one less person like not standing around doing anything. So now I can really focus even more on Betsy. I think Megan's going to join her, though. Join the team. Uh, is she pregnant? She's obviously pregnant. Yeah, but she was. she's on the cover for one of the future issues. Because I think they're supposed to go back to Otherworld, and they're going to like fight Merlin, and they're all chained up, and she's on the cover with the team. Chained oh. up. Okay. Yeah. Um, this book, let's be real, this book is a lot more digestible when you fully acknowledge that it is a Betsy solo. (laughs) (laughs) And I understand why that is frustrating for fans of the other characters, especially if you're like, I know the Gambit and Rogue fans have been having a really tough time with this book. Um, Jubilee fans, I don't really, I don't know too many Jubilee fans. I also just don't really think Jubilee has anything to do. Like, she's been a mother since the all X men's uh, the all women x-men series or whenever she became a mom like excalibur cannot be blamed for jubilee's stagnation and characterization all right (laughs) has nothing to do with them like that ain't best fault this is just who jubilee is now Uh, (laughs) yeah she's been so whatever (laughs) it's it's like whatever um but for like rogue it's like it truly is a betsy solo and like even when you go back to the beginning of the book and you look at some of the stuff that apocalypse did and how he was kind of running the show a lot of the stuff that he did was also to prep betsy up as her role as captain britain and so it was like a lot of things just happened to coincide and work out in their favor together it has always been about the dog i'm sorry but I feel like once you kind of go in and you recognize that, it's just like, oh, okay. There's a lot less frustration. Yeah. Because I think that was always one of the biggest things is that, you know, this team doesn't feel like a team. You don't really call back. Even Gambit. Like, Gambit has been to Otherworld before. He was like King of the Fairies. Um, He's worked with Pete Wisdom. This happened in his solo series by James Asmus. That was actually kind of good. So it's like... It's weird that, like, Teeny wouldn't call on any of that stuff for Gambit in this book. But it's also just, like, I guess the story isn't about them. So I should stop expecting it. I really hope that going forward, maybe Betsy recruits her own team this this time around. Mm-hmm. Because weren't, as wasn't everybody else kind of recruited to rescue Betsy? So, so, and that's also what I've come to realize, because I think that's been another thing that a lot of people have complained about. It's like, why are any of these people here? But when the team was originally recruited, yeah, it was basically like, oh, you have this 
random connection to Betsy right now, but then it was issue four or five after she met with the Queen to talk about Excalibur and like the monsters invading Otherworld and her being Captain Britain. She talks about how she told the Queen, okay, this is the team I have because they're all around me. They're going to be the ones to help me deal with it. They were officially named Excalibur. Like they are the official team. Like the public mm-hmm. is supposed to know them. I think the, again, the, they make a note of that at this Hellfire Gala issue. They're like, oh, this is her first public appearance in months with the team Excalibur, but also we didn't really see Excalibur out that much beforehand. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but the, I guess the story never needed to, because again, it was really only about Betsy. We saw Betsy out in public. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think people are coming for a team that was called Excalibur, not Captain Betsy. I mean, and yeah, Cap- absolutely. If the book was called Captain Britain, then I would be yeah, no, 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 absolutely, I agree with that. I, 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 that's why I said I understand why it's frustrating that it's called Excalibur, you're coming for this team, and it's not called Captain Britain. I just also understand why Marvel would call it Excalibur rather than Captain Britain because branding oh, matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're not going to do that. But I also do think that a part of it is just because that's how Howard writes. You know, she again, she is great when she's kind of narrowing in on one to two characters, and telling that one linear story, it just doesn't happen to be most of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would you rate this book? I would give it a three out of five. Um, again, I enjoy as a Betsy fan, I enjoyed it. If I'm, like, coming at it straight from that, like, to be perfectly honest with you, like, everything that's going with Betsy, like, I love it. I personally do not care about Gambit. I personally do not care about Jubilee. I do not like Richter. Rogue is fine, but she's also leaving the book to go be an X-Men. So it's, like, the only person I'm really here for is getting the story. (laughs) (laughs) She's getting the depth. She is, like, we're digging into her character. She is finally kind of waking back up and getting to herself and being assertive. She is, like, forming friendships with these women, and you are dealing with her dealing with identity versus duty and, like, uh, her sadness and just overcoming that. And, like, I'm okay with that. Cool. Like... I'm ready. I, I wish it was a little bit more exciting in certain things, like especially in terms of fighting. It's it's a it's a book about mutant magic. Like there should be a more sense of whimsy and adventure. And I'm hoping that with the return of Otherworld, we get back to that because that's what's really needed. Like again, we love a good story. We need these characters to grow and do this, but they're also superheroes. Where is the fighting? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the. I think the Megan's Megan. I think the scene with Morgan was also really nice when the Coven killed Pete and used his blood for the spell to wake her up and like get her to move through a proponent gate. Like again, that's why I said this is the first time the Coven has been very interesting. I feel like they are actually a threat now, as opposed to just these bumbling folks. Um, there are some things here and there that kind of don't hit. A couple of voices still feel off, but. I just think at this point, this is how Teeny writes these characters. So it's, it's, I have to meet it where it's at. Like, this is her version of them. So she writes that fine. I might not enjoy it um, all the time, but hey, I'm still reading it. <laughs> I'm going to give this issue a uh, 2.5 out of 5. 
most of that coming from Betsy's moments in it. I really appreciated her finally like taking hold of her voice and feeling like Betsy again. Um, I thought the Betsy Rachel moments were a little pandery um, and random. Um, I we'll see how that. I'm I'm trying not to comment on that one yet. because totally down for Betsy to have a girlfriend. I don't know about Rachel. I mean, Betsy has bad taste, so that's I don't even know. I'm not upset <laughs> about that. I, honestly, it's it's truly just in how it'll be handled. I think that it, right. that moment can come off a little bit queer baity, depending yeah. on how. Like neither one of the women has explicit, despite the despite Betsy being with a woman, Marvel has does not acknowledge her as bisexual. Um, and Rachel herself, despite having a lot of coding in her story has never also been explicitly uh noted to be gay bisexual pansexual whatever so until one of those women actually does that or both of those women do that you can just hand wave this to gals being pals and (laughs) it's just a very deep personal friendship that's happening which is also fine but i don't want to be like oh yeah i'm here for this relationship or i like this relationship and then like it turns out to be nothing because that's happened before with Betsy and Ryder saying they want to do this thing with her and give her a girlfriend and really cement something and then that not happen. Mm. Ooh, that sounds like that still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like that still hurt. All mm. right, well, uh, going on with the gala, up next is X Men number 21 by Jonathan Hickman with art by uh, Russell Dodderman, Lucas Wernick, and Sarah Pacelli. And I really enjoyed this one um Mm -hmm. i had a good time you know uh opened with namor meeting up with uh professor xavier and magneto and basically them offering him a seat on the council and namor doing his typical arrogant wave off like no you would need me on the council i don't need to like all this i don't need to get invited also you i control 70% of this world. What do you have? A little island? Call me when you get something bigger than that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Until then, I can do what I'm going to do, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Then we get the X-Men voting for the Mm X-Men, which um, Jean comes in and, of course, being super dramatic (laughs) and floats in uh, with her dress on and all of the X-Men... (laughs) you know being led in by her um i don't know if they're still married or what they are cyclops Mm -hmm. and cyclops saying you know it's time for us to reveal the x-men but everyone needs to vote so they were telepathically linked up and by everyone i mean every mutant around the world including the mutants who were even out in space um gene Telepathically, telepathically reaches out to all of them and they're all like linking with each other and having a, a talk. Uh, Doctor Strange lets Johnny Storm know that uh, that's kind of what's going on. They've all linked up with each other and they're voting and having a conversation on who should be on the X-Men, who should they should champion behind. Uh, Cersei says, you know, they aren't doing this in secret. If you have the ability to listen, which mm-hmm. obviously she can. I think she has some telepathic abilities or something like that. Um you know, it's open for you to listen. Actually, I don't think she does. She probably was actually commenting on that Doctor Strange can, and he could. He was using his abilities at that time and seeing. And it's like if you could listen in, they're not. This isn't in secret. It's them yeah. being 
reveal on who they are and, and their culture. And then we get the reveal of the X-Men team, and it's uh, Rogue, Sunfire, Wolverine, of course, uh, Jean, and Cyclops, Sink, and then um, the Green Queen herself, Polaris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, then we get a bunch of different synergy secrets, um, which were fun. Did you kind of figure out any of those? I really only paid attention to the one about Betsy and Juan, and I'm not gonna lie. And then the one about Apocalypse. Those are the standouts. Yeah. So like, I tried to figure out some of them. I so, most of them were kind of easy to kind of figure out. So secrets, uh, synergy secret number fifty-one was. Uh, says this quiet council member isn't fooling anyone they're fooling everyone wear a mask long enough and eventually it wears it starts wearing you such a shame not being able to let things go mm-hmm. who do you think they were talking about i just thought it was mystique right but then didn't she also have another one where it was like she sinners of secret 52 was about mm-hmm. mystique, and it was it said that she you know this woman this character will get what they want and uh, or the, otherwise they'll burn it down. I mean, it could be. Um, who else wears a mask? Do you do you consider Xavier's little cerebral thing a mask? Oh, I guess that's true. He could be the other one. He could be the other one. And he got a lot of secrets too. So <laughs> ain't that the. Tr- mm. Um. Yeah, I thought this was great. I thought this was a lot of fun. And then we finally uh, end up with the. End of the night, where it's time for the fireworks moment, I guess. And I'm so tired of hearing about these fireworks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I only say that especially because like I think about the uh, the year we've had, and like people were letting off fireworks all the time. <laughs> like especially in like the early days of the pandemic when we were like stuck in the house. I don't know if that was some way people would like finally just find a way to sneak out or going up to their roof or something. But they were letting. For, I hate fireworks now. I never want to hear them again. <laughs> Well, Emma Frost wanted everybody at this party just to see the fireworks, and... She would. <laughs> she really would. She linked up everybody's minds, and, you know, they she lets off this kind of telepathic show for everyone to see, and she lets everyone know that that was the evening's end, and it's not the end, actually, but the beginning of a new age, and it looks like something's going on out in space. You're going to Mars. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I thought this issue was fun. I, uh, I've i kind of, like, sat with myself and figured out that I don't think I was really going to get too much from the gala by what I thought I was going to be, uh, but I'm excited to see just different mutants interacting with each other and all the cameos throughout. Not the celebrity ones. Those are awful, and I think they should not have been done. Yeah. But... I mean, uh, those celebrity cameos, I feel like, you know... That was just a reminder that mm-hmm. Marvel is a corporation, <laughs> and <laughs> they have so many deals with like ABC and Disney that that's why all of their trailers premiere on Jimmy Kimmel, which is a part of the Disney affiliate. Betsy, <laughs> Betsy was talking to somebody in a Wu Tang sweater <laughs> <laughs> in this issue in one I of the uh, Luke, in one of the Lucas Wernick pages, and I was just like, this is just so. <laughs> I was just like, why? Just like, why? Um, but uh, I really did enjoy the moment of Jean 
kind of like getting all the mutant votes and Cersei in her comments. Also, love seeing Cersei. I saw so many of my favorite people drawn by like so many good artists in here. Thor was there, Cersei was there. I saw Danny in the background. It was like it, it was some good stuff. Was there. I loved Lucas Wernick's uh, Exodus moment because it looked like mm-hmm. all of the um, Omegas were getting called by Kid Omega together. Yeah. And they were going to go off and do something. And I loved uh, seeing Exodus make a little cameo. Yeah, so that was really nice. Um, I did not care too much for... I mean, I get why we did Emma's part at the end, but, you know, it's Emma, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun book. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wasn't expecting too much from the gala to begin with going before going into it. It's just... Yeah. I know it's just going to be a bunch of pretty clothes. I was really going... And I'm excited for Planet Size X Men and X Men. Those are the things I'm looking forward to the most. I really hope that they stick whatever like landing that they've been hyping up and building up with mm-hmm. the mutants either terraforming this planet or taking over mm-hmm. another planet. I don't know what they're doing out there, but mm-hmm. I really hope that they really like stick that landing and show us whatever they've got big planned. Agreed. Um, and if they do terraform this planet, I'm going to get my life watching X <laughs> form this planet together. Um, you know, you'll have Storm up there creating probably an atmosphere. Gene. Magic's supposed to be up there. King like, Jamie. Linking them all up together. Yes. This could be fun. Yeah, I'm ready for it. It better yeah. be. Um, what would you rate this book? I would give this 3.5 out of 5. Yeah. Um, yeah. Loved it. Fine. Yeah. Great game. Right. Nice. Same. Artists. I'd give it like a solid 3.5 out of 5. Yeah. Really, really. The the spread the spread of the new X Men team was really nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was excited for them before, but the more I think about it, I am kind of excited to see Sunfire, Polaris, maybe a little bit of Sync. I know that's you know, right. Gen X doesn't normally deserve, but let's see what he gives. You know who I'm there for, so um, I'm a... <laughs> who? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Marvel Girl. Marvel Girl. <laughs> That's what you call her when she's out in the field, right? Yeah, because she's a superhero. Um, That's why she wears a mask. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I'm here for Lord Miss Lorna Zane. <laughs> I can't wait to see my girl out there finally be with the X-Men. So, uh, all right, let's take a break and then we will come back for another panel. Hello, 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 hello. We are back for the panel of this week, and we're going to be having a villains panel this week. So I, I, I'm pretty sure we had an MCU villains panel before. But, um, you know, I was reading Excalibur, and I talked about the Coven and how I felt like this was the first time they've actually seemed a little bit interesting. And, you know, then obviously I watched Loki this week, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And it just kind of had me thinking about villains all over the world, all throughout comics, who we like, what kind of gets them. Because as I was reading the Coven, they kind of seem like the type of villains who would have jumped out to me from the very beginning. Everybody knows I love a cult. Like, 
that's your thing. <laughs> that's your thing. <laughs> uh, I love the cold and I love magic. So it was just like, I could not understand why they were not connecting with me. But again, I realized they didn't really seem to have too much motivation. It was just like rampant racist. And it's like, I can't get behind that. So <laughs> um, I think now actually giving them a little bit of, I guess, motivation they have some power now they actually seem like a little bit of a threat they've like got morgan back on their side i was like okay now this is kind of what's getting me and so i we talk a lot about the heroes we like but i've realized i've never really gotten too deep into your villains and the types that you like what kind of makes them tick for you some of your top ones who would you like to see like fighting certain people things of that nature so um i'm gonna go ahead and let you have the floor oh sure okay so you know i when, when we talked about villains and you wanted to have this kind of discussion, it made me look at my favorites. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized my top five favorite Marvel characters, uh, four out of five of them <laughs> started as villains. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so that's like Polaris started mm-hmm. as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Man, Exodus, mm-hmm. Magneto. <laughs> I- I kind of have a type there. The only one was Sue Storm. So, um, but they definitely have versions of her where they fought like villainous versions of her from alternate universes. Um, but so I, I think I really do like <laughs> the villains, at least at least when they kind of turn to the more heroic side. Yeah. Uh, but it made me really start to look at like the villains I like who stay villains and they are and like what their motivations are and those kind of t- types. Yeah, and I really enjoy a villain that wants to get the job done. <laughs> so like, I feel like too often there is a everyone has to get along kind of thing in yeah. comics, and and there aren't any real stakes with stuff. And mm-hmm. while that can be fun and right. <laughs> shade, <laughs> while that can be fun. I do prefer that it to be a little bit more grit. Now that's not to say that like just because something is edgy that makes it good. No. Mm-hmm. But like everything doesn't have to be all like bubbly and friendly either. So I do yeah. prefer villain that like is going to get the job done. It's so a bad, like it's a bad person. And like they're exactly. okay with being a bad person. Exactly, which is why my favorite Marvel villain is Nimrod and uh mm-hmm. Bastion. Oh, Bastion's a good one. Oh, I kind of, I kind of put them together because Bastion is supposed to be like a, like a Nimrod fused with a human kind of thing, and mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. Bastion is around, he has like an army of Nimrods. <clears throat> yeah. So I kind of put them together, but like Bastion is for sure like my favorite kind of villain because again. <laughs> he's gotten the job done. Like <laughs> <laughs> Hellion is one of my favorite uh, character X-Men characters. And still to this day, he still don't have hands because okay. of what did. You know? That was iconic. Nightcrawler is around right now, but let's not forget Bastion killed him mm-hmm. <laughs> in that same event. So I really enjoy a villain who is not going to kind of hold back because of whatever kind of, I don't know, corny, oh my gosh, I can't really kill this thing because of whatever kind of moral thing that they have for them. I prefer them to want to yeah. go all the way. 
<laughs> and, and do I can feel that. Especially when they kind of view what what they're doing as something noble. Great. Yeah. You know, they always say that the best villains see themselves as the heroes of their own story. And mm-hmm. most of my favorites do that. Like Bastion, um, another one of my faves, obviously, is a classic Doctor Doom. Mm. <laughs> which I think Doctor Doom might be one of my favorite magic characters, which tells you how I feel about magic. <laughs> that is a shame. I mean, I mean but, you know, they love they do they do love putting Doom in some magic stuff. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how he got started when he was first getting into like his whole Doctor Doomness. Mm-hmm. He was um like studying magic, trying to get his mom back via magic and, mm-hmm. and with uh, stuff in Liberia. But we could talk about Doom another day in his whole history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's actually a pretty powerful, a powerful like sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always been very interesting to see with him against Reed, because Reed is always looking at magic as something that just does not make sense to him. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Dr. Doom is willing to go into magic to accomplish whatever he needs to get done which is why i respect it yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) um i agree with you about like having a a villain who kind of wants to do something i think my i think the way you kind of look at yours um is different than how i look at mine though a lot of the villains who you talk about seem to have almost the goal of conquest in mind yes a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um i don't think too many of the villains I enjoy necessarily care about conquest uh, is more so about just like their personal goal. So it's not necessarily, I don't need to like conquer this nation because I want to be in charge. Like I just need to conquer this nation because I don't know, I don't like that other guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, um, I think one of my favorite villains obviously is Black Manta. Ah. And you know, I think about his relationship with Aquaman, how he's always just kind of been about revenge. Like, he does a lot of bad stuff, but it's truly, like, not for anybody else. He's like, I just want to kill this guy because he did something bad to me. And even when Dad and Abdick came and wanted to take over the Aquaman book, he kind of switched his motivations around and made it more so he was now in charge of this group called Nemo. And they were basically just what terrorists on the water. But again... His whole thing wasn't because, oh, yeah, this is something I want to do. He met the main guy, and the main guy was like, oh, trying to down talk him. And so Black Manta killed him. And then it was just like, oh, now I'm in charge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's one way to take over a group. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's never really the intention. It might just become a circumstance of it. But they are very driven in whatever their personal goal is. Not even just talking about comics. One of my like favorite villains of all time is actually the Night King from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And- Simply because he just he just wanted to end human life. And like that was his goal. He was like, I truly don't care about what happens or what I'm just going to get to my finish point. And like, yes, I'm um, all about that. <laughs> the, Night, the Night King is also great because he kind of fits my brand there. Because you mentioned mine are like conquest, but I don't think that conquest is their main goal. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of mine have their own goal of it's very simple of I'm trying to take over this one thing. But mm-hmm. a lot of my favorites it probably looks like conquest because they have like waves and waves of like lackeys <laughs> or drones mm-hmm. or whatever, because a lot of my favorite characters are energy manipulators. So usually they're mm-hmm. villains and 
so by way of that, the villains I end up liking mm-hmm. are they usually have like hordes of stuff like at their disposal that they yeah. the the hero that they're fighting can actually like have some stakes for them to be up against because mm-hmm. you know like Captain Marvel can't just like blast a, a Black Manta <laughs> that's too yeah. easy. I mean, she can try. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she want to time blast him in the face and they'd be over. So like, you have to fight waves and waves of enemies for it to actually like, kind of have something for them or it's just like something so powerful that mm-hmm. it makes it feel like there is some weight there um so yeah i love a good character that has like waves of uh, lackeys for them they're trying to i think i think a lot of my favorite villains are too selfish too mm. really and i but i think that's uh something i appreciate in a villain because for me villainy evilness is really just caring about yourself like again that is why you're able to do the bad things that you do because you do not care about anybody else and i think a lot of my villains really embrace that that they're truly enchantress ah is like, yes <laughs> is she a villain my... yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love her down but yeah and it's like even like even so her big whole thing is like She's come to the defense of Asgard before, um, but that's just more so because she's like, no, ain't nobody gonna destroy Asgard but me. <laughs> and, it's, and her thing is like, she doesn't even truly want to destroy it. She just wants everyone to worship her. She just wants everyone, and it's not even a thing because she wants to rule the people or tell them what to do. She just wants them to tell her how great she is. Yeah. Because she is selfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, the diva. <sighs> The V diva, actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's there. Listen, uh, I get a lot of enchantress in these Captain Marvel books, and I see what you, I see what you mean. You, you keep trying though. to push that in there, like. <laughs> I see start what you're doing. I, I see swear. what you're doing, but no, I know that Kelly Thompson just wants to write an enchantress book, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm just waiting for that to happen instead. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think another villain, so I, this is a villain I actually don't talk about too much because I don't really read the character, but I really love Tombstone. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and, like a Spider-Man villain. And also to that extent, Black Mask. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but like Tombstone especially. First of all, Spider-Man has probably one of the best rogues gallery in all of comic books. Oh, I definitely. would never... And I know we talk a lot about who has it between like him, Batman, Superman, um... I hear Flash has some really good ones too, but I don't think they're as iconic as the other threes. Um, Fair. But Spider-Man's folks, Craven, like Craven, Electro. Vulture, oh. Shocker, Electro, like the list goes on and on. But Tombstone is down there as one of my favorites. Again, he's just kind of a guy who's really all about himself. He he he's like trying to rule the underground, but it's really just like it's about me. Got and it. What I want, and his design is really hot too. So you like a you like a selfish villain? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I just feel like I, feel I like, like a I like a genocidal villain. Just in the dark. Because I think once you kind of take that away from them, you start to get to your sympathetic villains. Yeah. And I think while sympathetic villains are needed every now and again, my favorite ones are not sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, I prefer it's not like a sympathetic villain. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really, I don't need that. It's Sympathy just, for what? I'm here for you to know that you are a bad person and you're doing bad things, and you're okay with that, because hey, you gotta be, I guess. 
That's your uh, purpose there. <laughs> Um, so that's always fun to me. Who do you have any like? I think about someone like Sabretooth, who has mm. a lot of people know is primarily a. I won't even use Sabretooth. I think of, I'll use Rogue as an example, actually, mm. uh, or Mystique. How everyone primarily saw them as kind of antagonists to the X Men, but you know Mystique used to fight Captain Marvel all the time as well, and sent Rogue after Captain Marvel. Do you have any villains like that who you wish would jump over to somebody else? Oh, and like kind of fight other characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I used to, and I maybe still kind of want them to do this. I used to really want um, AIM, and they're mm-hmm. like in my top five favorite villains too, like AIM and Graviton and like all of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I used to really want them to kind of be villains for the Fantastic Four and okay. uh, like kind of have that whole science kind of feel between the two of them yeah um now i actually want them to be something for like the avengers west coast (laughs) thing that i was talking about (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'm not really enjoying the fantastic four books right now so like i would rather save that idea for (laughs) another time but i would love for them to because they usually always primarily have them become avengers villains Mm -hmm. i would love to have them be fantastic four villains most okay. Fantastic Four villains end up, you know, going out into the world and being villains for everybody else, too. Mm-hmm. I think that the, I would love to see, like, AIM and all of them kind of be villains against you're, you're speaking of your top five, so who are your top five all together? Okay, so it would definitely be Bastion and Nimrod. I kind of kind of mm-hmm. put those two together. Uh, Doom. Mm-hmm. Ultron. Okay, you have spoken on him. Um, Sinestro. Oh, okay. I love Sinestro. Um, again, he's just, you know, <laughs> he does not care. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So I do love this Sinestro and the Sinestro core. And uh, my final one is AIM and Graviton. Kind of okay. like, I kind of put, I kind of have Graviton as the main villain there. Mm-hmm. And AIM kind of like his connection, like the little minions or whatever beneath him. Bastion's a good bubbling, one. Bubbling under for me is Taskmaster. Although, you know, I try not to look at him like a villain, but I get it. He is. You know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a nice list. Yeah, you love, you love, you love some genocide. <laughs> you love a world ender. I respect yeah. it, though. It's because, you know, I've always looked at, like, like Nimrod and Bastion mm-hmm. and um, Sinestro and um, Ultron, like when they are bringing all of them and all of their enemies, it really gives something for the heroes to stand up against, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to see my heroes be challenged and actually mm-hmm. like, use their powers and do all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and be pushed. So yeah. I like these kind of usually the world enders like this, they tend to get the job done at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It actually like uh pushes the the hero yeah. to like kind of kind of rise above it all. Okay. I'm into it. I like a couple of those. I can rock with them. Bastion's it. <laughs> Bastion's definitely hot. Like I'm like maybe I should take someone off my list. Put <laughs> Bastion instead. <laughs> Do you prefer um, Bastion with a Nimrod? Or do you kind of see them as the same character, kind of? Yeah, sometimes. I think I think 
I think I would put Nimrod more on the solo tip just because I feel like he gets a little bit more play, especially after Hoxbox. Yeah. Um, he, he's been elevated a little bit. I would have put Bastion above him before that, though. Yeah. Dang, Bastion's good. Ain't he good? <laughs> That's a real good one. Um, he's definitely my so I, have, I have my little list here. Um, obviously, I just spoke about Tombstone and Black Manta. They're on there. Uh, Enchantress. She's definitely on there for sure. I had Deathstroke on there. He wow. was the one I was thinking about replacing with Bastion, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love Deathstroke. Um, I don't think I've ever hidden the fact I'm a huge fan of the New Teen Titans era from uh, Perez and Wolfman. And Deathstroke was Which obviously... Which I've been reading, by the way, you know, finally getting into. I've only read, like, a couple issues of it randomly, but I've finally mm-hmm. been reading it from the beginning, and wow. They kind of are the blueprint. For the like blueprint. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like oh my god. We're gonna have to, okay. like a young adult like kind of character. Like they're kind of okay. the blueprint. We're definitely gonna have to talk more about that as you get further into the run. Like it is truly. I know everybody loves the X Men and all that stuff, and X Men stories are great. But like that is one of the yeah, things like, that made yeah. me look at like, oh wow, this is a comic book. Um, especially yeah. when I was first getting into them and I, I just happened to pick up uh, the trade of the Judas contract still one of my top five comic books of all time events mm-hmm. like everything um, but you know reading into that Deathstroke is kind of a big antagonist for the team and it shows truly just how like deadly he is how capable he is again I think of things like Identity Crisis even the solo series that he had written by Christopher Priest Deathstroke is very much a guy who like does bad things and does not care mm-hmm. um and but he's like very good at what he does and a lot of things that he does are just motivated for himself he was a mercenary for so long like he just wanted to kill the titans because he thought you know i killed myself <laughs> <laughs> uh, so love him um and the last or my fifth on my list would be brother blood in the church of blood again uh, uh, okay that makes sense i could have i don't know why i didn't expect <laughs> that one but i should have known <laughs> again again i love a call co- so when Coven Akaba like was introduced, I was like, oh yes, this is kind of what mm. we're gonna be from Church of Blood type stuff. But honestly, it's not that. But whatever, that's fine. But the Church of Blood is iconic. Brother Blood, um, Mother Blood, you know, and it's so crazy how much I enjoy them because I do not like Raven at all. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> and I'm always you know, reading this uh Perez run has really kind of opened my eyes more to Raven. I knew that the cartoon the teen titans animated series had kind of altered her powers before and i was like okay i know i don't think that she can do all of this but um and i knew that she had some other kind of abilities but reading this prez run like she's kind of useless she is is truly like the worst character ever she does nothing she will pass out she would literally run for i'll never forget in one of the um titans books i read when i was starting to get into that era she passed out a lot like, y'all trying she, to say something about Jean, but, like, she passed out a lot in She this. passes out all the time, and it's at the smallest thing, and then she'll literally run from a fight. Like, she'll be standing on the side, like, oh, watching the team struggle. And she'll be like, <laughs> she'll be standing on the side and watching the team struggle. She's like, oh, I wish I could help, but I'm just so weak. I can't do anything. I'm so tired. I already used my energy to teleport from one side of the room to the other. And then when the battle's over, she teleports in. Like, <laughs> what's up? And it's just like, yo. I cannot stay in her. Um, but the Church of Blood is... And I think also a big thing about the Church of Blood is they kind of 
no Raven's useless. They are truly just using her as a conduit to bring Trigon back, who is the real power. But they're creepy. They got good costumes. Um, All the Brother Blood designs are hot. Uh, They typically get what they want in some form or fashion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were pretty interesting when they were brought up in that... um... I don't know if you saw that uh, that Teen Titans movie of the Jewish contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably add that to our list of like rewatches one day. But the brother, uh, brother blood and like that cult was in it, and they were really cool. Nice, some great designs. Yeah, I tell people all the time. I know um, if you've never read again the Wolfman and Perez Terra for Trigon story, Terra of Trigon story, like highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Getting to see the church and Trigon and like what they really do and how they do it. Even um Jeff Johns, he did a nice little brother. Yeah, he did. His yeah. One, which was pretty cool. I think someone else has tried to do it, but they're great. I think they should actually finally move beyond Raven and just become a general DC villain group. Yeah, that would be dope. I see. The best thing that probably happened to Raven is recently. I think they've been trying to give her more magical oh. abilities and like some other stuff. But, like, the stuff I've been reading right now, I'm like, she <laughs> is in the way. <laughs> and, I think, and I think what's happened now is, like, since the New 52 and all the reboots and things, they have tried to make her seem a little bit more like the cartoon to give her, like, some telekinesis and stuff like that. But she doesn't use it. Mm-mm. Like, she is literally there to be the empath and use her soul self. And it's just A lot, like, of, lot of empathy stuff for her, like, taking the pain away from people. It is bad. So I, I also, as you read this, pay attention to Raven's face. And then let me know when you get to the Terra of Trigon storyline. Okay. Uh, those are the only things I'm just gonna say. Like, pay attention. Like, as okay. you like, as you get through the arcs, just like really pay attention to how she's drawn. And then let me know when you get to Terra of Trigon. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, now speaking of Trigon, do you like villains like that? Like the big, I'm omnipotent being kind of villain. They're fine. I think they're necessary every now and again. Um, you really do have to have someone who has like that big power to like kind of get I guess show the ingenuity of your heroes to like oh can they overcome this how will they do it? Because uh, those be kind of villains you can never like fully like, get rid kill of. or get rid of. It's all about how you like I don't know to take them up them. Or, or trap them or something. Yeah. Um, and I like them for that. I like it for, uh, Justice League Dark is kind of doing that right now with the current villain, the Upside Down Man. He has been like consistent since the run began, and he's one who they never fully defeat. They just kind of tap him off. And so, I, again, I think it's interesting in a way to see how they continue to fight this without being able to defeat it. I do think some of them eventually need to get to a place where they can die. Yeah. Yeah. Because just. I don't know, make him reborn or put him in another body. I don't know, do something. Not a body swap. <laughs> 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 but, How you been down that road? <laughs> not a body swap. But um, I, I don't know. I think any good writer can really reinvent a villain. Ewan, uh, Galactus, uh, yeah, you know, instead of, instead of having him destroy worlds, I think he had them create new Same. life, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then I remember a lot of fans were actually kind of upset when he went back to <laughs> destroying the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I get it. Again, I understand their purpose. I don't need them all the time. But again, you think about me and the type of stories I like, I'm very much the street level guy. So, yeah. fair. I don't need that all the time. Fighting a Trigon every once in a while, cool. Um, every day, though, nah. 
take that to space. I see. <laughs> we'll need all of that up here. That's too much. <laughs> take that on up there. We don't need it down. Now, I do appreciate up here when the villain has like those generals that the mm-hmm. hero. I do appreciate that kind of trope. Yeah, uh, I love that Black Order type stuff. Yeah, I do appreciate that. The Iraqi mutants of Exoswords. Shout out to Exoswords. What an event that is still right. making waves through the books to this day. <laughs> it's doing something. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's for sure. It's doing something. Uh, I don't know how much it's doing for uh, everybody else, <laughs> but, it's, but it's doing something. I mean, if you are Captain Betsy or an Iraqi mutant, you're good. Yeah. Or Pop- the, 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 the hit makers. I don't know. Which they had, one. They had that uh, sinister secret that was like, hey, you want to find out what's going on with your favorite guy and his family? <laughs> Too bad you got to wait. Gene and Cyclops wouldn't be making this team if it weren't for Axe of Swords. Fair. Like, and you know, I give- still think I have a theory for why Gene is in that skirt that she's in. Mm-hmm. Oh, are we gonna talk about the green dress real quick? <laughs> real quick. <laughs> okay. You know, real quick. Um, Hickman had an interview that was came out right after Hoxpox because people were asking why is she back in this green dress, and he was like, you know, I'm surprised no one has figured it out. Look at look to the past for I'll give you a hint. Like look to the past for why she's in it now and. Mm-hmm. Gina's been in that green dress twice. Once when she first put it on, when it was supposed to be like when they kind of graduated from the X-Men, like the original mm-hmm. five, and uh, she created that dress for herself. Mm-hmm. Second time was when she was a, when she died in it, basically. Died, and died on the moon. And the died Phoenix. on the moon as a phoenix. But I think both of those times, she was her like core self. Mm-hmm. Which was what fighting with the X Men with her man, <laughs> which I think he was trying to give you a hint at like what was kind of coming that mm-hmm. she was eventually going to be leading the X Men with Cyclops. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what he's trying to show with her in this green dress and like that was kind of like the core of her was Marvel Girl. So now that that has happened, do you think she'll move out of it? Probably, because I would assume that this team is probably going to get, like, team, a team look. Well, Although Lorna was the only one that kind of got a new costume, I still, yeah, I still do think that, like, probably, um, I don't know, actually. Because maybe they could be trying to show that, like, these are their X-Men costumes, you know what I mean? I mean, she's got a mask. <laughs> True. Um... I like Jane in the green dress. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's neat. Um, I think I do. I do agree that sometimes I think the gloves should be updated. Yeah. Uh, those do get very dishwashing gloves. I'll never forget someone tweeted me a picture of the mom from Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> 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 And, like, nothing has ever been more apt. Um, <laughs> but I agree that I think if that is the thinking of when, you know, why Gina's wearing this outfit, yeah, those are Gina, her, like, 
best moments. I mean, I guess her her best self. Oh, yeah, her like her. She is. Jean. She is. She's gonna be on the X Men and like fight for mutants. She's gonna be with her husband. She's gonna be with her man. She's the mom. <laughs> she is the caretaker. That's yeah. Her. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I, I like it. <laughs> uh-huh. mm. I think it's cool. She has her hair out. She be flying. It has good motion in the skirt. Um, she'll like do that thing where she puts her head up to her temp- <laughs> her hand up to her temples, and she's like, you know, it's hot. Green and yellow are her colors. It's a classic. The little retro go-go boots. <laughs> the belt. <laughs> is a good gene. Right. <laughs> you know, if the mask wasn't so high, it wouldn't be so bad and like horned. I feel like she should say that the mask is like an ode to Oh my god, her and Wolverine together with their little pointy mask. That is so cute. <laughs> You're so shady. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. You know, oh. I don't think she's trying to like, give homage to her side piece in her. <laughs> 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 is it a side piece? I, do you? I don't know. This might be a little too old for the for the, some for some demographics. But like Gene, Cyclops, and Wolverine. Actually, I'm not gonna talk about that right now. We'll save that for another day. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> that's gonna be an after dark episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do see that they're gonna be fighting some like newer villains though in this new mm-hmm. expansion run i don't know what that like giant squid thing is yeah not at all but Lorraine does some really great uh character design so i'm excited to get more to that and see what else he has oh my gosh speaking of you know who i forgot to put on this list the children of the vault oh i do Do you like them them? okay i love them when my especially because i was thinking about character designs um i thought they have amazing designs especially like when they came on the scene seraphina and a little like white and black stripe. And then when we got that issue of Wolverine, Sink, and Darwin in the vault, and we saw all of the other ones, and we saw how they kind of changed, like they always look good. They're yeah. Good. Yeah. Good, good folks. They do. Okay. They do have some fun designs. I have never really seen like more of them outside of these more recent issues. Mm-hmm. I feel like they aren't even really used that often. No, I um, think Mike Carey used them in two separate arcs. And then. This is the first time we've seen them since. Since then, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they're fun. Fun designs. Yeah. Cool powers. Very much so. But, um, yeah, so that was it. I just want to talk villains, talk some bad guys, talk some mess. Uh, we got a little Jean Grey in there, too. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll come back and talk Loki. Yeah, let's do it. We are back into this portion. We are doing this week's another rewatch or first watch, you know, whichever one you did. You might have rewatched it right after you did it, but we're getting into Loki, the newest yeah. Marvel Disney Plus release. Every Wednesday, we're going to be there. I mean, maybe. So give me, give me your like just general overview. Did you, were you into the show? Were you feeling it? Were you intrigued? 
Okay, so like first and foremost, I have made it no secret on this show that I am not a fan of time travel and like redundancy and all that kind of stuff from time travel. So and I really don't like the multiverse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so already <laughs> within the first five minutes <laughs> in big words, it says like multiverse. And I'm like, oh great, okay. <laughs> cool. I don't think this is really made for me. Um, but I will say that I it's pretty cool to see the way that they're handling like the multiverse and time travel and explaining all that kind of stuff. Um, I personally am not interested in that, or I also think that we are kind of past Loki at this point, <clears throat> and we're kind of dragging it, but whatever. Um, I will say the show itself is like very well done. Um, I feel like there has been a standard now kind of set with Disney Plus superhero TV shows for me mm-hmm. and kind of what I expect from them. I, there's no secret, again, <laughs> that when it comes to these superhero shows, the TV ones anyway, like, I'm not really into them because the budget is really there. Yeah. Starfire is my girl. Love her down. But, like, yeah. that Titan show, can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> <gasps> what? Can't do it. You didn't Love You didn't it. finish the first season, did you? I did. Did you start the second? Yeah. <laughs> You're crazy. The, I think the, I think you need to let I think you need to sit with. My God. You need to let the budget thing go. The budget's <laughs> never gonna be there. <laughs> That's the thing though. When I'm watching these Disney Plus shows, the budget is there. You cannot you cannot compare those two budgets. <laughs> <laughs> you should not be comparing those two budgets at all. <laughs> You know, you know, what what have we been what have we been talking about? You have to meet people where they're at. Yes. All right. Exactly. You do. <laughs> you have to do the follow up to that, or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> meet them where you're at, or you don't. Um, but I will say, like Loki, is very well done. Like the set pieces and all that kind of stuff look great. The uh, CGI all looks fantastic. Um, I didn't see any kind of. I really like their suits too, as well. Yeah, I liked the kind of those doorways and stuff that they would walk through. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean overall, I think this is gonna be an interesting show. I think I'll probably enjoy like the finale and whatever they kind of do as far as the big mm-hmm. thing that pushes the MCU even forward. Like every other show has really done so far. Yeah. Um, but so far, eh, it's alright. Okay, I, th- I think that's valid. I I kind of agree with your point about being past Loki. Um, I'm also supposed to be doing a Loki reread of all the stories in Marvel to like see how I feel about it. So I'm probably going to actually do that after the show. So my feelings might change and I might have to talk about them again. Um, but right now, it's just I'm kind of Loki'd out. I think I agree with I'm more excited to see how this will tie into the greater Marvel universe and just like what's going on in the little Easter eggs we get. I think like the bits about having multiple Infinity Stones is really nice. I don't necessarily despise the multiverse but i think it's better done in small doses mm. um knowing we have this and then we have wanda uh not Wanda, <laughs> excuse me dr strange <laughs> <laughs> i mean did you see that big splash of like nexus yeah, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Strange is the multiverse of madness and you know all that's going to tie into them so i i guess i'm fine with it 
if we like do it in these and we get it done i don't think i want to see it continue after that i do agree i like the kind of process of how they're dealing with the marvel continuity and like able to fix all these little plot holes that we might have gotten over the years um and i like a lot of the cast yeah in the show. I think the cast themselves is very enjoyable. I agree with you in the sense that I do, I do not like time travel. Um, but I like that they're following someone through time. It's not like they're just time traveling just because. Like, they're going with a purpose. We're trying to find the other Loki, which I think might be Lady Loki. You think so? So, like, um, the entire premise of this episode has been it opens with Loki... Um, from the movie Endgame. And if you remember the scene where he kind of picked up the Tesseract and floated away and everyone was like, that's obviously going to be for some kind of TV show. Well, this is the TV show that it was for. (laughs) (laughs) And it opens exactly with that. And we see that he is uh, stranded out in like the desert and he gets picked up and uh, it's all about him being joined up with the TV and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I feel like um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was saying that I think the other Loki is Lady Loki. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think that the other Loki is uh, Lady Loki. Um, which would be really interesting. <laughs> Again, I, honestly, I don't remember how Lo- Lady Loki really came about in the Marvel Universe. It was something that I was supposed to figure out when I was doing my reread. But hopefully before the show ends, I'll have gotten there. <laughs> so if it is her, I have a little bit more insight to talk about her. Um, but I think that'll be a really interesting thing if it is. And it'll also be really interesting to see why she's going through like all these different phases of time and like killing people or whatever. Yeah, and those specific moments and seeing what's going on. Um, yeah. I um, I would like it to be Lady Loki. I won't be upset if it isn't. So, you know, I, don't, I try not to make this another like Mephisto situation. <laughs> Although I was never one that wanted Mephisto, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to take make it think of it something like that, but. Yeah, I I feel like this show would be interesting. I did notice that um, the judge who sent, kind of sentenced, sentenced Loki and was kind of presiding over his case with the TVA, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gugu, I can't remember how you pronounce her last Gugu name. Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Yes, very pretty. Um, Beautiful. Love her. Gorgeous. She, pays, she plays uh, Ravona. Ravona? Yeah, and Ravona is... I'm gonna get really tiny people here and like sciencey, but Ravana is like Kang's love interest. So, oh, uh, sorry, oh. spoiler spoiler alert for anyone who may not have known that, but um, she is playing like the reason that Kang is kind of a villain. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I wonder if they're gonna use this as a way to bring in. That Kang. would be really nice, actually. Yeah. That would be very interesting. So like their backstory is Kang was trying to take over like her timeline mm-hmm. and uh they did the whole trope of he fell in love with her. She kind of was reluctant about liking him. Then uh she did fall in love with him and in like a last moment one of his generals like turned on him uh mm-hmm. while he was trying to take over something and she like jumped in front of the bullet and took it for him. Always jumping in front of a man. I know. That'll always be a downfall, ladies. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. Don't do it. 
Um, and that, of course, caused him to want to control time and, and not have her die. Mm. I wonder okay. if that is what the way to bring in Kang. And then, you know, Jonathan Majors as Kang, that's a hot couple right that's there. That's a hot baby. couple, right? <laughs> that's a hot couple. Okay, I'm into that. I would be yeah. into that. For, but, but again, like I, I think this is my thing with Loki. I think all of the secondary tertiary characters are going to be a lot more interesting than him himself in the show for me. Which is strange, because, you know, I love me some Asgard. I did like the little flashbacks we got to Asgard, and we saw, like, yeah. some people there. Um, we saw the Bifrost, which was really nice. Um, but everyone else so far in this first episode is a lot more engaging. Yeah, because I did not care about him. 2012 Loki looking at all of his past, like, killings and his futures and all that kind of stuff and crying about it. Yeah. Weren't we just talking about sympathetic villains? I don't need it. <laughs> See? <laughs> I, don't. I don't need it. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever kind of implications he brings with the the show, that'll be cool. But we'll see. We shall. What would you rate this episode? Episode was solid. I, I mean, I think I would honestly give the episode a four out of five. Like it was like like you said, the set looked great, CGI was good. I think it was well acted. I think the uh, people are interesting. Time travel is not really my bag, but I can see where it's good for the people who it is. Yeah. If you're fans of Loki, you definitely are into this. And fans of Tom Hiddleston and all that, for sure. I gave this, like, a solid 3.5 out of 5. Like, it was a great first episode, you know, Mm -hmm. um, even if it's not something that I genuinely am, like, kind of into. I still think that it was pretty good, you know. Um, It hit the MCU, like, standard for me, you know. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, please make sure you are following us on Twitter or Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can send us any questions, comments, concerns, all that good jazz at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on YouTube if you want to watch the show and at Another Relaunch at TV. You can also find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You know, you can find me at Keenan Lance, and there's an underscore at the end. I do think I'm going to change it again. I think I'm back on that path. We talked about this before. We and... did, and it didn't happen. But <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know, my birthday just recently passed, and so I'm, I'm entering in a new era. So you know that Britney GIF that I use all the time on Twitter? It was, an, it was one that I had, like, searched through the Twitter GIF thing, and it was in my frequently used, so I could always just go back. There was number one. I don't know what happened with that stupid thing, but it like cleared my entire frequently used GIF, so I lost it, and I can't oh, use no. it anymore. I mean, I can use it if I like just read post it or something, but it's not readily available. And then I've been searching for it and I can't find it, so I was like, maybe this was a sign, you know? It's time to find a new white woman. I can't go wrong with Brittany, though. Time, I know. It's just she works with everything. But I was just like, you know, maybe it's time to find a new white woman to embody my <laughs> So that's a wrap. <laughs> All right, y'all. Catch us next week. We'll talk to you later. Peace out.